Welcome to a King Size Life podcast with Shannon King. Our goal is to encourage and inspire you to get off the sidelines and live this one life He has given us in the biggest way possible. Life is guaranteed to throw us all obstacles and opportunities. Do you choose to be a spectator of life or seize the opportunities given, create your own path, and become everything you're designed to be? Your road to discovery starts now. Here's your host, Shannon King. Okay, welcome back to another episode of A King Size Life. I'm so happy that you're back to join me. I'm especially excited about my guest today. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Hanners Gutierrez, and she is a very good friend of mine. Really looking forward to sharing our relationship and more about her. But let me tell you a little bit about her formal introduction. Dr. Gutierrez completed her PhD in December of 2019 at the Texas Tech University Health Science Center. Dr. Gutierrez is also currently a speech language pathologist in acute care at UMC Health System in Lubbock, Texas, and she serves as a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Otolaryngology, TTU HSC School of Medicine. Dr. Gutierrez supervised the acute care division of speech pathology services at UMC Health System for over 20 years before beginning her PhD journey. During her time as supervisor, she founded and grew specialty diagnostic clinics to serve the clinical needs of patients with HIV, AIDS, COPD, cancer, voice disorders, and gastrointestinal disorders. Gutierrez also established comprehensive emergency center speech pathology services As guest faculty for Global Health, TTU HSC School of Medicine, Dr. Gutierrez has taught in India and China, Hong Kong. In 2016, Gutierrez was asked to be the keynote speaker for the Nutrition and Palliative Care Symposium in Hong Kong. In November of 2019, Gutierrez was asked to lead an international training program on palliative medicine. Global health is her passion. Gutierrez is dedicated to pursuing opportunities for international collaboration, which led her to form the new nonprofit medical organization, The Storyteller and the World Incorporated, of which Lepidoptera Music Global is a partnering business featuring art that supports social good. Gutierrez is a songwriter. (laughs) It is her mission to positively impact the world through the creation of original songs and the accompanying music videos, short films designed to reflect each message. That is a mouthful, but oh my gosh, we could go on and on about all the things that you do professionally and where your passions lie. But for my listeners, for you listening out there, I will just say, I am blessed to know you. I describe you as an angel on earth. Mm -hmm. I believe that I'm clearly supposed to do some incredible things because I have all these angels in my life, but you're absolutely one of them. And as we'll talk about, and as I have shared prior to this episode with Dr. Gutierrez, we met and collaborated on Dear Monster. And so I'm really, really excited to have you here as we kick off October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here. Thank you for the very nice introduction. It's a lot, but I'm very proud of all of those themes. You should be. (laughs) I've worked very hard to be where I am today, and it's all been purpose-driven and God-driven. I believe that. 
and I feel so excited, uh, you know, as we grow and age and change and go through different experiences, you learn more and more about your purpose and why you're here, what may be your calling. And through the different experiences and all that you described in that intro, I've been able to creatively merge my work in medicine and my work as a teacher and my work as a creator and a songwriter into global outreach. So I'm doing global outreach with all of those things and it's been so exciting. And in relation to our relationship and our meeting, which I also believe was God driven. I agree. I, yeah, I have been so incredibly blessed by you as well and your collaboration on a work and an original song, and then this music project. And now I really feel anthem and uh, something that hopefully will continue to make global impact and amplify voices. But through your collaboration, it is that much more powerful. And I'm very proud of Dear Monster and um, all that has happened so far. I am so incredibly proud of it too and feel honored and blessed. And I absolutely do believe it's a divine connection that brought Mm -hmm. us together. Um, So before we go there though, you know, I have one question that I start all my episodes with and this, I think will it's perfect segue from just your introduction and things that you just spoke about, but because I already know it, Mm -hmm. I know your story, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but will you share with us one of your first memories and take us there? Hmm. Yes, I will love to share this memory. You know, of course, I have some early memories from childhood, but the one that is most prominent is from third grade. That is when I had my favorite teacher, Mrs. Perez, who encouraged me to enter the UIL storytelling contest. And my parents, who are just extraordinary, my dad, who was a musician, and then got his master's degree, became a broadcast journalist, and then owned a radio station. He was an exceptional coach on UIL events, speaking and oratory, poetry, and he coached me. This was our first experience together. He coached me to do storytelling, which was motivating people and inspiring people and generating a story in an animated way based on a given topic. And I went to the contest. I dressed up really pretty. I remember my dress and I was very excited and my parents did not watch, but apparently another parent did. I don't know who this person was that watched, but my memory is of my mother telling me the story of when this woman came out and said, well, I don't know who this little girl is, but she just stole the show and she's (laughs) going to take this UIL contest. And my parents were over the moon. My dad had purchased me a trophy. So it was not from the competition. It was a trophy from my father which meant the world to me. And I keep it in my office on my desk to remind me of where I started, who I always need to be, someone who motivates and inspires 
and stays animated. You know, the world kind of judges sometimes when you're too animated or, you know, you put yourself out there, you shine your light. Oh yeah. That's when I say go find less, you know? Yes. (laughs) Go find less if all of my, all of this bothers Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) So my little, my little trophy says never dim your light. Always remember that moment. And, and that's why I love your dad. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that story. Mm -hmm. When I was nine in third grade, I cut off my thumb. That's what I was doing while you were (laughs) competing. Well, you're competing in UIL and really, I think laying the foundation for your future and just hearing you talk about your dad and what he does, um, and really related to speech and here you are helping Mm -hmm. people, um, actually speak again and swallow Mm -hmm. and things like that, that we take very much for granted because I run my Mm -hmm. mouth all the time. And it's just something that I think a lot of us take for granted, but also really, laid the foundation for your music and you're so much more than a song. Like your lyrics truly are. And that's, that's a term that I embrace too. are an anthem as a survivor of domestic violence, your lyrics, which for, for you listening, please go back and listen to my prior episode, but my forum that I shared at the Mrs. Universe pageant included lyrics from dear monster. I, I started, it was my intro and my, the final words that I sealed the deal on my forum and they're very powerful. So I encourage you to go back and listen to the prior episode. So you understand a little bit more about our connection, but thank you for sharing that. I just, I find, I love to hear memories like that because for one, I could see your face light up you know, Mm -hmm. it's clearly a very powerful memory for you. Um, and it tells us a lot about you as a person, I think, and it's just always fascinating to me. Um, you know, what we do remember in our childhood and things that, that stand out. So I love that yours was jam packed with your future laid out in it. Did you realize that then as it was happening, did you realize I really have a passion for this and it's something that I want to continue to do? Yes, I believe that I did realize that because it was so much fun. I think in the moment, I was just so joyful to be celebrated by my sweet parents mm-hmm. and and the group at UIL. But, but looking back in that moment and in some others that ensued, I do feel that I began to define what filled me up and what has always filled me up has been helping others. I'll share a brief story about that. I remember being on the playground with my friend Donald in my wonderful small town, uh, my town who raised me, Dimmit, Texas. Dimmit, Texas. Dimmit, Texas. I love them. And I ripped Donald's shirt. I think we were playing, we did something, and I ripped his shirt. And I would not let go to my parents of the fact that we needed to buy Donald a different shirt, that it was not going to happen. He was not going to have a ripped shirt because of me. And I remember my parents describing to me, I've never seen a child so concerned, you know, about another child that got his shirt ripped at recess. And that is basically a great description of me. Uh, It it absolutely is because you Mm -hmm. are so attentive and 
very caring about everybody else's feelings. How, how are they feeling? How are they doing? Just, Mm -hmm. I've experienced that firsthand with you in many situations and you truly, that is truly who you are at your core. And it's how I got into speech language pathology. Truly. I admired my dad so much that I actually started as a mass communication major. And I tried that out because I wanted to be like my dad. And he was so talented with with broadcasting and he has a great voice still. And I thought, oh, that would be so much fun. And I started taking classes and the classes were really great. They were on cinematography and movie history and things like that. And the classes were big. That's how we all start, right? In college, big classes, um, most of us. But I felt a pull I and I felt unsettled, like I was not supposed to be there. And I felt a pull towards something else. And I thought, but I know I'm supposed to do speech. I know I'm supposed to do communication. And I wound up having a conversation with a girl who I admired all through high school. I still do. Her name is Beth West Miles. And she was a, a a young woman who I admired from afar. And then I reached out to her and she was a speech language pathologist and she encouraged me to try it. And so it was great. And it is great because it merges communication and speech and my love of those things with helping people. Okay. So let's talk more about that. Can you share really where that bridge happened and the, your nonprofit, the story, a little bit of the story behind how all that occurred from. Yes. As I got further into studying about speech language pathology and then eventually graduated with my bachelor's and then master's and began to work in the field, I knew it was exactly where I needed to be. Speech pathology is very vast. You can work in different settings. You can work in the school system and do a bit something a bit different than what I do in the medical world, <laughs> but medical has always been my deep love, and it does allow me to be present at the most intimate moments of a person's life. I treat premature babies. I, I am sometimes the first one to feed them because I'm trying to teach them how to eat and to show their parents how to be successful with that. I'm also one of the lead speech language pathologists in palliative care, which essentially is support amid life limiting illness. So when somebody gets diagnosed with something that could potentially be life threatening, palliative care is what we do, which is holistic care bringing in psychological and spiritual support, not just the physical support. Uh, As part of that process, I am often present in the last moments of a patient's life, counseling on how to carefully hand feed them if they're struggling to swallow safely and things like that. Another thing that is- See y'all, she is an angel. (laughs) I'm telling you. I I get also excited about the aspect of patients who have tracheostomies and are ventilated. So you're not able to hear their voice and, you know, Shannon doing your podcast and everything that you do and, and inspiring people through your work in the pageant system and your advocacy, how important raising your voice is. Absolutely. We we always say, raise your voice. Mm -hmm. And when somebody has a tracheostomy um, and, or is ventilated, they can't. 
and it's very hard on them. So we put a device on the end of their tracheostomy that redirects airflow and allows them to speak. Oh, wow. So those are a few of the things that I do in speech. And I know you, uh, you mentioned about my nonprofit. So all of that history and all of those things that I do in my career have given me opportunity to present and to teach and, and to really share my knowledge. And I was given that opportunity in 2021 when I was encouraged to apply to a contest through Yale University. It is I've heard of people, Yale. Yes. <laughs> Just <they> do Yale. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty intimidating, but also super cool. Yes. Um, it is their Unite for Sight conference, and they do a global health and innovation conference. And I applied to what I thought was just present to share some of my knowledge. And then I got moved to the finals and what I later discovered was a business competition. So you had to have a nonprofit business to be in this competition. And if you won, you got a lot of money to help the world. Wow! And then I discovered that based on what I had entered, they liked it. And now I was in the final run for this money. I can either drop out because I don't have a nonprofit business or I'm going to make a nonprofit business. And so immediately I had to make a nonprofit business. And that's what I did. And my physician friends and healthcare provider friends joined me and became the board of directors. And a lawyer in town helped me out with all the bylaws and we did it really fast and we had to. And that lawyer told me, you have to come up with a name and don't make it a name that we're going to have to do. Oh, you can't have that name. You know, it has to be a unique name. So sitting in my office, what did I see? My storyteller trophy. And then I had another sign. It was just a, a painting um, that that indicates kind of conquer the world, like you you can change the world. And and that was the name, Storyteller and the World. So just a couple God whispers laid out there for you mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. to happen. And that's so how the nonprofit came about. So what kind of work do you do through the nonprofit? And how does that, how did Lepidoptera come come about mm-hmm. to be a part of that through the nonprofit we interact with different countries and their medical models and we as healthcare providers not just doctors but also therapists speech therapists physical therapists occupational therapists and nurses we are providing evidence-based techniques and best practices to these different countries who have identified a need. And then we collaborate with them based on their medical model, what best works with the resources that they have and the system in which they work. And we learn from them. So it's mutually beneficial and it's newer. It's a newer nonprofit, Mm -hmm. but it's based off of what I did in India when I went with the doctors and we got immersed in their culture and I was allowed to treat patients in the wards and I taught, but I became aware very quickly that we can't always just assume that if you go into another hospital, they have everything that you have. 
Right. And they do it exactly like you do it. And they didn't, but they're brilliant. Mm -hmm. They're really brilliant. And I loved collaborating and coming up with a way to do it there that is still quality and evidence-based. So that's what the nonprofit does. But through my experience in India, you also learn that you cannot connect medically without connecting culturally. And then you start to learn of their other problems and concerns. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful place, but every place in the world has issues and concerns. And Mm -hmm. as you connect with different places globally, you learn about these things. And, And then I began to think, well, the songs I write, they are anthems and they are about social good. Not to get too deep, but the United Nations and their 17 sustainable development goals that deal with things like inequity, inequality, racism, climate, health and wellness, mental health, uh, many different things that I could take the whole podcast to go over. But those sustainable development goals are what connect us globally. And those goals actually connect very nicely to my songs. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at my first song, Onward, that song is about racism and it is about uh, arising with love through hardship Uh, tells the story of a young black woman who arises through hardship and survives and shines. It gives me the chills. Like Mm -hmm. I, I've watched that video so many times and that beautiful girl and just, it's Mm -hmm. so beautifully, powerfully, gracefully, respectfully, everything done. Mm-hmm. and takes you there things that mm-hmm. we just don't realize but truly like you're saying these are these are global concerns mm-hmm. they're global issues so it's hard to articulate how you merge a medical nonprofit with a music business well let's talk about your love of music how did that mm-hmm. start Love of music started again with my father, who was a musician. And so we sang all the time and he played guitar and he would always listen to my songs that I wrote and give me encouragement. Even if my initial songs, a lot of them were very bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it started. And then growing up in Dimmit, they had shows that you could perform in. And I did often with my dad, he would accompany me. And it was just very fun. And it was an escape from, um, I think, how I was built. And how I was built was just to, to do schoolwork and, and, and things like that so deeply. Like with 300% effort, uh, I just always worked very hard. And to have music at that time and now gives me a way to escape from that. Um, I love my work, but it is hard. It's hard on the soul. It's hard on the body, the mind, you get tired. And music is so uplifting to me, even if it's a hard, heavy topic. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of been the journey of me and music and writing songwriting was really my deepest passion because I always thought of lyrics and melodies. And I, I love that part even more than performing, you know, the creating, making the work 
the composition of, of the work and how that all comes about and the behind the scenes of that is very uh, just fulfilling to me. And it's You're so favorite. talented. You, I just, you've got to go listen to her songs, um, which you can find on YouTube, watch the videos. You can find her Lepidoptera is out there on every platform. I believe it's out yes, there. It and you're listening to her precious, sweet, kind voice. But let me tell you, she is fierce and you, you are an incredible performer, but, uh, I believe it's because you feel so deeply the lyrics that you've written, but also mm -hmm. I think about the music and how you layer in the, the, how deep all of your music is the, I say deep, I don't know what the, the musical term for it is, but it's very there's a lot of depth to your music. There's a lot of depth mm -hmm. to, um, the sounds and I knowing also, I didn't know this prior, but knowing that you're a, a fan of nine inch nails, yeah. I mean, that's what he does. He, he does that. He layers in all the different sounds and a lot of the mm -hmm. songs are just him and all his different vocals. And it's mm -hmm. fascinating to me, all that you put into your songs. Um, Mm -hmm. and then how powerful the words are yet. Some of the lyrics may seem simple, mm -hmm. but they are so powerful, so mm -hmm. powerful. And I, I believe that words are so powerful. I, you know, I'll say to people a lot of times, like, I'd rather you punch me in the face than write or say something negative to me because mm -hmm. it stays with me forever. I believe that words are very powerful and they, they bind us to That's why I think music is powerful. Is it something that the whole world can relate to? Mm -hmm. And it's a, a way that we communicate in every part of the world. And it's a way that you can reach everyone. Uh, I'll tell you that at the pageant, um, I was able to share the dear monster video. I didn't get to watch them watch it. And women from all over the world that speak different languages. One of them came to me from Ukraine and she said, I, I couldn't understand your words, mm. but I could feel all of it. Mm. And so she, her mission was to have somebody to translate the lyrics for her, but she, she could feel we emoted and there was so much feeling and, and how you performed mm. that, that just the music alone really, really affected her. So let's, well, can, can we, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, and I will say to, to speak to that, because it's very important to me on that particular song, Dear Monster, and on my others, that people can watch it and actually understand what is being said. Uh, and so I have updated the YouTube video for Dear Monster. I fixed the captions because auto captions are often wrong. Right. And translated those into almost every language. Oh, so, fabulous. Mm -hmm. So if, if they watched your monster and you pull it up on YouTube, you can select your language and you can know what I'm singing. Oh, wonderful. I will follow up with her after this and send mm -hmm. her the link and tell her that because she was really, really wanting to understand the lyrics, but mm -hmm. I, I found it powerful that just the music alone Yes. and yes. the emotion in the video was so powerful that it affected her. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. How powerful music is. Let's fast forward a little bit and, and dig into Dear Monster. And mm -hmm. can you share with everyone how, how that 
creative process started and how Mm -hmm. that subject matter came to you? Mm -hmm. I think as an artist and as a lyricist, as a composer, I pick up on the emotions of others and myself, but I watch and I listen and I read and you know, you know this, Shannon, but just to, to share with the listeners, I read your story. And it obviously made a very deep impact on me because there have been a few songs that have come to me in unique ways, like not sitting at a piano, but just in my bed, dozing off or waking up and waking up and knowing the melody and some of the lyrics and 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 then trying to figure out okay what is this and dear monster after i read your story and knowing the stories of some others in my life and then i'll share a little bit about me i think it that culminated in this moment of this song truly being generated almost from a dream, you know, like in a dreamlike state. And then, and then we met and I shared the concept with you and, and then later the lyrics. And I feel like that we've already spoken to this, but I think that was very purpose-driven and, you know, that was a very spiritual experience for me. Um, But that came about basically experientially. And then and then evolved into this very powerful visual imagery uh, amplifying survivors of sexual assault. And that, that is a very important work to me, especially the, the amplification of survivorship versus victimization. Mm-hmm. You know, because yes, we're victims, but ultimately the survivorship needs to be the focus. I think I absolutely agree. I do. I I like that being the focus. Yeah. The concept Um, of, of this podcast is mm -hmm. that we don't have to be victims of our circumstances, but rather Mm -hmm. get off the sidelines of life and and live an incredible life. No, yes, it is hard, but being able to share the way that you share in your lyrics and how the entire everything is done about dear monster is an anthem of hope overcoming survivorship. We win monsters lose. Mm -hmm. And I, you like, I feel it coming up in my body right now thinking about it. It gives me so much empowerment to know in the worst circumstances, whether it's rape, sex trafficking, molestation, Mm There's so many ways, so many faces, so many monsters of domestic violence that no matter what it is, we can overcome. I, yes, I agree with all of that, Shannon. And as you speak, I I just get excited. Uh, You know, it's just hard to even contain myself because I think, yes, yes. And, and then I, I want to speak to that rising up that you mentioned, like that you can feel it rising up because I really did want the lyrics. Yes, we focus on the survivorship, but there is obviously something that is very traumatic that has happened. And so you have to show a bit of the raw, 
you know, to, to appreciate the survival of it. Right. right. And yes. you see this, you see this, the hardship in this video, you know, please watch if you haven't. And, um, you know, and, and you see that and, and lyrically, I wanted to reflect that, that you take this from me, you know, that you take my hope, um, that you take in the darkness feeds. You take um, my memories. I wake and I am free. My memories. Yes. But then, but then you just, you know, because it's hard to survive. It is a fight to survive. And sometimes it's a daily fight. Mm -hmm. And then you just shout it out, you know, I'm still alive and shout it to the monster, you know, dear monster who did whatever to you. Cause we all have one. Mm -hmm. I feel like whatever that monster looks like, and it may not, your monster may not be uh, molestation, rape trafficking. Uh, it may not be one of those things, but I do believe that each of us has something in our lives that breaks us that we have to overcome. I don't know one person that hasn't had something that wasn't a moment of hardship or brokenness because mm -hmm. uh, we're human. Right. And, and so that is important to me to show that fight, to show that rising up um, from a personal standpoint, I have not experienced the three things that were highlighted in this video, but I have experienced trauma uh, as related to someone abusing me through doing something of a sexual nature. And my monster, gosh, this is like harder than I thought. <laughs> I'm here. You got that. You know, it's just part. This is what I mean about the fight to survive, right? Can you fight through these feelings? And and I I I want to make a disclaimer that I I know we don't compare traumas, but I I feel like mine. Uh, I can I feel like it's fair to say that mine is not um, as traumatizing as what was reflected in the video, but on a personal at a personal level, it is still traumatizing. Uh, my monster took my uh, pictures, normal pictures of me that he had access to and photoshopped my head onto pornography and then criminally impersonated me for several years and reached out to many different men with these fake pictures and, and also had fake interactions with them, essentially catfishing mm -hmm. these men who were interested in that lifestyle. And that was very devastating when I learned that that had been done to me. And I, I learned about that through men who informed me that they had been sent these pictures and thank goodness that I was informed. And so they caught my monster and he was held accountable. But for three years, that was a very hard time of these men who were being catfished, being given my personal information and where I worked and my phone number and so I was being contacted by the men who were catfished and it was very scary. Mm -hmm. 
I had to move. I had to protect my address. I had to have conversations with people who found me on the dark web and it's not me. And I will say that this was done to me. I don't know Well, I, I will say, I don't, I don't quite understand it. I think some things we just don't understand, yeah. but I, I will also say, I feel that this was done to me because I knew this person and had stood up for myself uh, in in this relationship that I had with this person, I stood up for myself and I stood up against pornography. I had a relationship with this person and I, I had asked this person to stop, um, to stop looking at pornography. And there is obviously some resentment of that in what came about much later after the relationship ended. Yeah. There's absolutely um, something deep and dark going on in that mm-hmm. person. And I, I want to tell you, I was trying to take my glasses off so I can look you at the, in the eyeballs, but it made my eyes fuzzy is I want you to hear from me that you absolutely have experienced the same level of trauma. You know, I think all of that is relative. And I think that for whatever reason, because it wasn't a physical thing done Mm -hmm. to you, you feel like yours isn't as justified. And I want you to hear from me that like, I want to go fight that monster for you. (laughs) You absolutely have been victimized and survived something very profound that I think a lot of the listeners need to hear. It is Mm -hmm. the fears and the reality of technology And I mean, there's a whole Netflix series done now on something like this, the Mm -hmm. most hated man on the internet it's, it's happened and it destroy, it can destroy lives Mm -hmm. and you easily could have been killed by these people into deviant acts that could have found Mm -hmm. you and killed you done horrible Mm -hmm. things to you. So to live your life in fear for three years, I, it is you absolutely <laughs> experienced um, at the worst level, I believe. And I and for listeners out there, if you are a survivor of domestic violence, please don't don't feel like that your abuse was any less because it's different. Um, I I just I'm getting passionate about this, Jennifer, for you because mm-hmm. one, I can see you like. I see, I see what comes over you as you're talking about it. Um, but I also have experienced, it's a weird phenomenon with people with cancer where I feel like an imposter because my hair isn't falling out and you can't Mm -hmm. look at me and visibly see that I have blood cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, and other people need that comfort for some reason to be able to look at me and see that I'm sick for them to believe that I really have it. It's a, a weird thing that happens. Um, and I, I kind of relate that to what you're saying about this, but I want you to hear from me that you're very justified in all of your feelings. And I think have a very powerful story to share at whatever time. Thank you for sharing what you have shared. Um, yeah, because it speaks volumes to me (laughs) and I want, I want to protect you. That's one of the things that happens is I want to go out and fight everybody's monster for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I fight 
you know, that's how I fight. That's how I express myself. I'm kind of introverted. I don't, it's very hard for me to be vulnerable. Performing is different. Mm -hmm. You're performing, you know, um, but you are a fierce performer. (laughs) Well, I got it out. You know, I'm able to get out how I feel like I fought because I have a monster too. And, but, and so that allowed me some expression of my own personal feelings, Mm -hmm. um, as I have healed, um, and continue to try to heal from this. And absolutely it was very scary there. If if these people had actually, you know, believed or been able to find me or acted on the things that he was telling them that I wanted, which are just absolutely gross. And I was told by the police department not to view the emails where I was criminally impersonated on three different accounts because it would not be good for my mental health because they were so awful. Mm -hmm. And, and so that is what other men are reading about me. And yes, if you come for me thinking that that's what I want, it could have resulted into something, uh, in something quite terrible. And uh, I, I would say this too, because I didn't take those pictures. Those were made up. They were photoshopped, but no one has the right to do something to you. Take your picture. If it is your picture, it's still wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still, still wrong. a massive violation. No one has the right to take mm-hmm. your image and use it without your consent um, in those awful uh, ways Mm-hmm. No one has the right. Uh, and and so my personal story and who I am and my values and, you know, this, this hit me so deeply and it stung so deeply too, because everything that I believe in personally and who I am is very opposite of how I'm being portrayed. And he knows this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew, he knew that. Yeah. And that was um, designed to break me. Um, to deeply break me and ruin me. Um, but I think it's important for women to know that, uh, my, who I am doesn't mean that who you are is wrong. We can all be different and have had, we can all make different choices in our lives. We've all had different experiences. We all have different perspectives. That's diversity. That what's, that's what makes the world go around. Um, and so I also never want my story to be one where I deserve more sympathy because those, those pictures weren't me. You know, I, I want to be clear that any woman who has anything done to them without their consent, be it physical or mental or criminal impersonation, like what I've been through, um, is it is wrong. It is. It absolutely is. And I, I am so proud of you for not shrinking. You could have easily shrunk. And instead you have taken all of this inside of you and using it for so much good to reach every corner of this planet with a message of hope and overcoming and survivor survivor mentality. And I want to thank you as a survivor Um, I, I almost kind of like coil back from that word too, survivor, because I just feel like we're warriors. You know, I think Mm. that there's so much more in us and we're, um, survivor almost makes it sound like we, we were weak at one time. And so we had to survive something. I know that's what it is, but I think that we're more than that. And we really truly are warriors to have overcome what we've overcome 
anybody that has been faced with any kind of monster, like what you're talking about, it could be health related. It could be many, many different things. It doesn't necessarily have to be domestic violence, but I am so inspired by you and by anyone that doesn't shrink. And I understand it. Some people just don't have the same coping skills or the same network of people to lift them up. And if you're one of those people where you're like, I just don't have anybody, then reach out. There are plenty of people that want to lock arms with you to help mm -hmm. you through this. But I'm inspired by people that in any part of life don't become victims of their circumstances and instead are able to really draw on their faith. And I believe that's where it comes from, but draw on their faith and the power that's inside each of us to live the life that we deserve to live and not let these things just stop us from living our life. We get one. Yeah. It's, and to be a warrior means that you fight, that you fight sometimes scared. Like, look at me. I'm like, I'm like shaking. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell, uh -huh. but this is the one topic honestly <laughs> it's the one topic that i i can't speak smoothly about mm -hmm. that i will stumble that i will get choked up or shake amid trying to discuss it uh, other things like i can talk about medical <laughs> yeah. i can i can talk about songwriting i can get that out pretty smoothly and cleanly but talking being vulnerable that that's hard for me and being vulnerable about something that makes you literally tremble mm -hmm. is really hard. So you'll, you'll hear, see, you'll see, that's yeah. what I mean. You'll hear me not speak as my best speaker self when talking about something like this, that is really hard on me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's an indication of how, hard it is to yeah. to fight through it like i'm literally shaking right now um but that's the warrior you know i think that is a warrior right yes. that you you say like i'm gonna write this song i'm gonna do this song i'm gonna sing this song or i'm gonna go to court or i'm gonna fight this i'm terrified of court mm -hmm. like it was it was honestly terrifying to me to go to court and sit in front of people and discuss this these gross acts and, and have the pictures presented to me and have to dissect those pictures in front of the courtroom. That's a nightmare to me. It was a nightmare to me, but I did it because I love your word because that's what a warrior does. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. And no matter how scary, um, you just do it because it's the right thing. And because you also want other people to right. see you do it and to know that they could do it. Exactly. And, and that is very important to me. And that's what, you know, the dear, your dear monster, um, onward, you also wrote another song, uh, waltz of the strong waltz of the strong. That is you take on the most difficult subjects that we face in our world with mm -hmm. such grace and power and beauty. Uh, so I encourage everybody to go watch every single video that she's done. So share with everyone regarding Dear Monster. It's up for several awards. I know it's won some awards. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? Yes, we just keep winning. And I, 
we have three more awards that we just won that I haven't posted yet because I can't keep up with all the <laughs> awards, but, uh, but it is being recognized and it's only been out since July 4th. We have to remember that. Mm-hmm. And, and it has won best music video in France. It has won best editing twice best editor and any recognition that you get let me just share with listeners that at these film festivals and the contest to which we apply there are thousands of entries thousands and I just attended a film festival where I was at for best music video of the year and I got to see the quality of work that is submitted and I felt so proud you guys so when we talk about we won in France I'm blown away and then if your video gets anything best editor best director best song it is massive recognition for your work. So, uh, and you won best song for I did. I won best song in Italy in Florence for Onward Arise with Love. Amazing. And then I won best song for Dear Monster. And I have to I have to think there's so many awards oh my you got. I go there's so many awards. <laughs> but I have so to think I can't remember where oh Amsterdam. It was at the Amsterdam festival that I won best song for Dear Monster. But yeah, it's got best editor twice, best director. Um, and we are now selected for the global, uh, global film festival, I believe. So just, it, it just keeps coming. And honestly, I'm so excited about possibilities for this work, um, and pushing it forward so that it does get viewed by people who really need to see it. Me too. And I, you know, I'm very committed as I had shared, you know, once Mrs. USA universe, I always am. It's kind of like when you're president, you're always president. Mm -hmm. So-and-so I will carry that title with me forever. And it's opened Mm -hmm. up doors to allow me to share the anthem with other survivors. I think it's important for people that haven't been subjected to that too, to see the reality of it, to watch it. Because, you know, as I share with the listeners, anytime I talk about this subject is we have to talk about it and we have to talk about the ugly parts of it. We have to talk about what really happens, the scary parts of it, because it is reality and we can't continue to put our heads in the sand and it's not just going to go away the way that Mm -hmm. the world is continuing with social media and technology and our children being able to just be so, uh, reachable that now more than ever, we have got to take note and unite So whether you have been a victim of a monster or not of domestic violence, you know, somebody that has, whether you know it or not, you, you may not even know that it's right under your nose. And we just have to wake up whenever it comes to this very serious subject. And I, again, cannot thank you enough for, you know, I'll share, I think I've shared this before. I know I told you, I don't know if I've said it on a, on an episode, but when we met for coffee that day to talk about that initial conversation. And you looked at me and you said you were six years old, right? Mm -hmm. I can't even explain. I, I, the best way I can explain it is I was that six-year-old little girl looking at you because I felt so seen of all the things I had posted. And we hadn't even talked about my story and to know that it had an impact and you actually saw me. It was very, very powerful moment for me and why mm-hmm. I just immediately, I felt so comfortable with you and safe. 
Um, and because you saw me, but I can't thank you enough for, for doing that and for seeing us and for sharing your story. What is next for Lepidoptera? Um, oh gosh, <laughs> I have, uh, other songs I've, I've written several new songs and it's always a process to get those songs done, but I'm working on it. I'm working on one right now with Mark Murray, who is in Dallas, and he is a great, great electronics and synthesizer guy. And this one requires that, uh, speaking of Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor and <laughs> Uh, my admiration of Trent's coming up through just working at a studio so that he could use the studio at night. It takes grit. And Mark Murray has a lot of that sound, you know, that deep, dark, uh, brooding sound that oh, can be that power, power behind yeah. it. Uh, and that's what I needed for this one. So he is helping me out. And then we've got several others coming down, you know, <laughs> in the future and, uh, and I'm excited to get those produced, to get those out. I, in, in connecting these works now to social good uh, and, and really viewing them as what they are, anthems. So let's call them what they are. They're cinematic, they're anthems. I'm going to connect them to social good, um, connect them to the nonprofit, uh, you know, nonprofits medical, but let's let's be real, it's cultural. When you're working with other countries, it's about people first mm -hmm. and what they're going through. And that is what these songs reflect. We all go through this. Let's raise, let's rise up together. Uh, so that's my mission is to continue to do anthem-like works, cinematic works uh, that have global messages that inspire people internationally and connect us. And then through my uh, media and now some global connections that I've really worked to make, I'm getting their works sent to me, works that wow. they're proud of, some song lyrics, songs, <laughs> And they also work for social good. They're about, they're topic related. They're very powerful. And so I want to do a collection, a book or something of global collective works highlighting people across the world that have written and produced things similarly. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So much exciting things happening for you. And, you know, I... I pray for just God to protect you and surround you and cover you in continued strength and open those doors for people to be able to be inspired and empowered by your lyrics. They're just phenomenal. And I'm so grateful to have you as my friend. You guys, she's right here in Lubbock <laughs> of all places, but listen, buddy Holly came from here. We are, we have some incredible musicians that come from here. Don't ever sleep on Lubbock, but what an incredible talent and friend that I get to have right here in the city. I, I will close with this one. I want to thank you, Jennifer. I want to thank you very much for just, I loved our conversation. We could just sit here and talk all day about so many things, but I would share, I want to bring it back to that. This is kicking off. October and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. What I would ask of you to do, and I believe Jennifer, I'll, I'll have you share too, what, if there's anything that you want to add, is what I would ask you to do is to go to YouTube 
find Lepidoptera music, find Dear Monster, go to Facebook, go to Lep- Lepidoptera music there, find the Dear Monster video, whatever platform, find the Dear Monster video and share it as a survivor, as somebody that cares about anyone that has sur- survived any type of domestic violence as just a humanitarian, as a human, I'm asking you to find this anthem and to share it. The more people that can see this and hear it, then the more we are exposing the monsters, bringing them to light, but more importantly, letting these, all of my brothers and sisters out there, um, or Jennifer and I is just those of you that have been subjected to any type of domestic violence, that you are not alone. You can overcome hope is always there. And you truly can create an incredible life. You can overcome this. I, I want you to know that. So Jennifer, do you have anything to share with everybody on just anything that you would like to share to close? I want to say thank you for having me on this podcast. I really admire you. And I'm very grateful for the gift of your friendship, Shannon. And you also are a world changer. And that's what I want to say to listeners. From the bottom of my heart, let's change the world. I was told many times you can't change the world. And I disagree. I really do. I think that you can. Not just you. It's the you who connects with somebody else. And then they connect with somebody else. And together we can change the world. And your support of my music is one part of that. And sharing the message is one part of that. But if you are an artist or know someone who is, and they have an original work, a short story, a poem, song lyrics, anything that is reflective of what we've talked about today, I would love to see it, hear about it. I want to connect us in a way that we can use our gifts to make a difference and leave an imprint that is long lasting, steadfast and impactful forever, not just during the short time that we're here. And I am willing to help do that, but I need more than just me to do that. So Shannon, thank you for allowing me this opportunity. And, and that's it. That's all I want to do. Oh just gosh. I just love you. And I'm very honored <laughs> to have you here. Absolutely. And love our friendship. And I'll close the way that I always do is that my prayer for you is that you will get off the sidelines of life and live a king size life because we only get one. You've been listening to a King Size Life podcast with Shannon King. You can follow Shannon on Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We really appreciate that effort. Be sure to join us next time for another encouraging podcast with Shannon King. Thanks so much for listening.